Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for tuning in. Blessings to all of you in the chat. Make those connections with one another in this time in which we live using our online platform. Of course, Torah to the Tribes dot com forward slash connect remember we really want you to subscribe so hit that subscription button give us some thumbs up and thank you for supporting tour to the tribes ministry we really do thank you our donors and those that are stewarding the tithes and offerings in the direction of this ministry Bless you, bless you, bless you. Revelation 15 today. I'm super excited to get into the sea of glass and the sheer, the song of Moshe. Moses, of course, which has its Torah foundation. But here we're going to see a prophetic hope in our future to get us through the days in which we live. And I saw another sign in the Shamayim, the heavens. It was great and marvelous. Seven heavenly angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled the wrath of Yahuwah. We're coming to the culmination of Yahuwah's wrath that is going to be poured out on a Yah-rejecting society. As today, I see society circling the drain, circling the drain, and we wonder, how much longer could Yahweh stay his wrath? But Yahweh is long-suffering, and he is patient, and he is merciful. I think of my life, Think of your life and how when I deserve judgment and wrath that he stayed his wrath. So we need to pray for the world. We need to pray for those circling the drain right now in society because society as a whole cannot be saved. But Yahweh can pluck his people out of of the sinkhole and it is a sinkhole isn't it that just seems to be trembling and collapsing below our very feet but here we find that we are in the 15th chapter and we find the culmination now leading up to the wrath of Yahweh now remember the seventh trumpet has no plague of its own. Even though it's the third woe, so really the seven bowls are the third woe themselves because it's the consummation of Yahweh's wrath. These plagues are poured out henceforth so much on those that took the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. And I just have to wonder, as so many people are suffering economically, so many people are under such mental health stress right now, yet when we look around, we see these tech companies and these big corporations thriving, don't we? Just this week, 
Kodak. Remember the old Polaroid? We always used to have the Kodak camera. I mean, they, 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 they were just of the past. They didn't prepare for the future, and they got bypassed. But no, this week, just the mention of Kodak being used in this whole woo-flu propaganda, and their stock goes up about 700%. So what is going on? It's all moving towards this great tech and AI control, which I believe will lead many to worshipping an image. Now, how will they project that image? Will it be through Project Bluebeam? Blue Beam? Will it be through some sort of artificial intelligence? Well, that's what Elon Musk is moving toward. I don't know. But there is hope for us because we find here in the second verse of chapter 15 that we have a different promise. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass. A sea of glass. Now, there's a Hebrew word I want us to focus on today when we look at this sea of glass, and it's techelet, techelet. It's the color that you would find in the tzitzit. It's the color that you would find in the upholstery, if you will, of the tabernacle. Now, some would say its origin comes from the murex snail, which is a certain kind of snail that's found in the Mediterranean just off of Israel. And that dye comes from there. Now, others would say it comes from the plant. I tend to believe it comes from the murex snail myself. But this sea of glass is techelet in color. But in reality, the spiritual implication is it's a perfect reflection because when the saints come before this sea of glass, which is our future, we will be completely exposed for who we truly are before Yahuwah. So today, tomorrow, and every step of our life now needs to be in step with this sea of glass that we shouldn't be living a double life, that we shouldn't be doing things in secret that we wouldn't do openly, that we need to be authentic in our faith because ultimately this is our future, but prophetically there comes a blessing. You see, as I saw, as it were, a sea of glass, techelet, mingled with fire, and them that had overcome the beast and over his image, and over his mark, and over the multitude of his name, they were standing. The Hebrew word there, nitzavim, standing ones. They were standing on the sea of glass, techelet again, having the harps of Elohim. And look what they did, verse 3. And they sing the song of Moshe, the servant of Yah. And the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Master Yahuwah El Shaddai. Righteous and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, 
O Master Yahuwah, and glorify your name. Well, I'll tell you who's not fearing him right now here in Portland. They were burning Bibles last night outside the Hatfield Courthouse. Yet the governor of Oregon tweets on how peaceful things were last night. Yet there are on-the-ground media showing you severed pig's hat heads with police hats on them being burnt, American flags being burnt, Bibles just thrown on the fire. These kind of terrorists have no fear of Yahuwah. They have no respect for people of color. Because I've seen the videos with these skinny, snotty-nosed white kids calling African-American federal officers the N-word. This is disgraceful. And this is all done because the movement has been hijacked by a bunch of communists. It's the communist takeover of America, and there is no fear of Yahuwah, because that is an atheistic religion if you ever, ever had one. This is the days in which we live. So now we live in a dichotomy between the wheat and the tares, those that believe in the one true living Elohim and those that believe in the atheists. And they're God. They believe in God. Their God is communism. Their God is terror and mayhem. And you will see it in the first and second song of Moses back in the Torah. And now it builds here. But in spite of all that's going on in the world, we have a hope. And the hope is in the transfiguration of sheep dipping. Because we are the sheep of his pasture. And Yahuwah is going to move us through the sheep dipping. He's going to herd us. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us, and he is going to transform our spiritual man and woman through a process of sheep dipping, which is going to take us through the colors of purple, of red, and scarlet, and techelet. And ultimately, if we persevere, and we appear here on the sea of glass, where we are openly exposed for who we truly are before Yahuwah, which is cleansed by the sheep-dipping process, the blood of the lamb, we will be found worthy. And in the midst of that, the dichotomy is the atheistic, hell-bent world that is circling the drain with the propaganda and lies of those that would say, oh, no, Portland, Oregon, jolly good. No, lots of peace last night as they're burning Bibles, attacking American law enforcement, all called by politicians. They can't use the word rioting. And then they say things like, where does it say in the law that you have to be peaceful to assemble? Excuse me? Have you not read the Constitution? The right of the people to peaceably assemble. 
That is called protesting. But when you don't do it peacefully, that is called rioting, and you should have the full hammer of the law come down on you, according to the word of Yahuwah and even according to the laws of men, which lawless people are now trying to circumnavigate. Why? Because they worship atheism, communism, fascism, and all of the divisive things that we see that are of a sinister, sinister breed. But look, for our hope is in verse 3, because we, in spite of all this, while they are screaming profanity, screaming cuss words, screaming racial epithets at African-American law enforcement, we can sing a new song, a new song. And it's the song of Moshe, the servant of the master Yahuwah, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your deeds, master Yahuwah El Shaddai. Righteous and true are your ways, O king of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O master Yahuwah, and glorify your name? For you alone are Kadosh, holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments are made manifest. And who wants to have a front row seat right then? This is a song of deliverance from hatred and hostility of the beast. And that's what we need to sing. Because we don't want to be a part of what they're doing. It's full of hatred and it's full of hostility. And the song of Moshe is a song of deliverance from all of that. And I get tempted, and I know many of you do out there, you get tempted with a righteous indignation to just hate what's... But we don't want to be filled with hate. We want to be filled with a hope and a love because we're going to go into this place of beauty the sea mingled of techelet and fiery glass. Almost every phrase in the Song of Moshe is taken from what came before. Just as with most things in the Bible. Look at it. Look at the phrase. Look at the Song of Moshe in Revelation 15 specifically. Look at the verse structure. And now... Look at some of these scriptures that came way, way, way before. Psalm 111, put your finger there. Amos chapter 4, verse 13, put your finger there. Of course, Deuteronomy chapter 32, Jeremiah chapter 10, and of course, 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 17. Not that far before, but still just a little before Revelation 15. Psalm 111, it is written in verse 3. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. You see that phrase? 
Amos chapter 4 verse 13. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and tradeth upon the high place of the earth, here it is, Yahweh Elohim Savar of hosts is his name. And of course, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. Elohim of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. And that is the dichotomy. Because now we're seeing justice that is not being administered justly. You get a free pass if you're a protester. But if you decide to congregate and go to church, you can get arrested. What's happening? What's happening in this world? And nobody wants to admit it. We had Dr. Fauci before the house. And he could not answer in seven minutes of questioning. And he just had to avoid it with seven minutes of questioning. He wouldn't state that a group of protesters was dangerous in spite of all his mask orders. He just couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to, 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 to make that statement even when he was pressed and pressed and pressed. Why? Because it doesn't fit the political narrative of what is being tried to be forced down everybody's throat. Look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 7, where we see, of course, this foundational song of Moses being pulled from. Who would not fear thee, O king of the nations? For to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. You guys are in spitting distance. Are we allowed to do... We, oh, this is very... We should have a screen up here or something, shouldn't we? My goodness. O king of the nations. It's translated in 1 Timothy 1 verse 17 as this. As now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise Elohim, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Those are the words that I want to associate myself with. Those are the words that I want to scream and cry out in a crowd, in a congregation. You see the dichotomy? In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 9 it is written, For then will I turn the people to a pure language. Not profanity, not racial slander, but a pure language. That they may call upon the name of Yahuwah to serve him with one consent. We consent to Yahuwah, but we do not consent to tyranny. We only consent to Yahuwah. 
But we do not consent to tyranny. We only bow the knee before Yahuwah. We do not bow the knee before the faces of men. That's Baal worship. That's wickedness. We stand. Nitzavim. They that stand on the sea of glass. They're not bowed down. They're not a bunch of slaves. No, they are free men and women. Free. Free to worship, to congregate, to practice their faith without being harassed, without being led down the sinkhole to the slaughter. This is a song, but it's really a chant, a cantillation, a cantillation, an ode, as you would say. It's connected to the Hebrew word ranan, ranan, which is spelt resh nun nun. And it means that you're going to emit, you're going to make this sound that's going to be this stridulous sound, almost like a psalmster, that it's just going to shake the whole environment. Shake the whole environment. Deuteronomy chapter 31, of course, is the first song of Moshe. And it says this in the 19th verse of Deuteronomy 31. Now write this song for yourself and teach it to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 32 is the second song of Moshe. So the first is in Deuteronomy 31. The second is in Deuteronomy 32. And the 144,000 that have the testimony of Yahushua and keep the commandments of Yahuwah, they will sing the true song, its culmination when? In the last days. In the last days. So... Can't you see how language right now is circling the drain? We live in a culture where you, people don't even want to talk with other people and communicate. They want just to shut you down. They just want to call you names. They just want to put things on. Language is breaking down. The barriers of communication are being broken down. People, you, what did you say? I, I, can't, I cannot comprehend what you're saying behind that muzzle. I, I can't hear you. I don't understand. What? <laughs> Germs splatter. When did you last wash? Oh, I wash it, um, you know, every other week. Oh, my goodness. Because I brush my teeth like at least two or three times a day, and I wash my hands all the time. Yet somebody puts on vinyl gloves, and it gives them a free pass to scratch their backside, rinse out the garbage, um, put your food on a conveyor belt. Um, and you're like, whoa, you'd have been far better just washing your hands. And if you need to cough and you need to sneeze... Do what they taught us when we were younger and just turn the other way. But no, 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 no. What's going on here? 
the denigration of language on one side of the aisle as Yahweh is preparing his people a pure language. Because then, again, there's going to be that divide, and this is all in preparation. Everything that's happening right now is in preparation to identify. There's contact tracing about to happen on this side of the aisle, but then Yahuwah, he wants to be able to contact trace his people. How? He is calling us out from the world to have a pure language while their language is absolutely imploding. He is calling us out to have a pure, undefiled temple as the world prepares to put abominable things in their body temple. And they'll be crying out for death and it will not come. You see, Yahweh, as they contact trace and stand proud in their godless anarchy of communism, then we must now start to prostrate prostrate ourselves before Yahuwah and Yahuwah alone as we now produce fruit and the wheat becomes heavy and it bows down and Yahuwah be able to pick his people out from the nations so clearly. And this is what's happening. The language is a huge part of it. How we speak, how we communicate. We're going to be the clear communicators in the next season. But he needs to purify our language. And this is part of the song of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 32, the second song of Moshe. We have the true language. The psalmster frequency is a cantillation. And it's encoded, actually. I don't have the time to get into it today. But those of you that love to search in the Hebrew Scriptures, you'll find the coded language of the song is actually found in the sequencing of Numbers chapter 7, verse 12, through Numbers chapter 7, verse 83. It's in six frequencies and tones. It's called the sulfur syllables and the universal frequencies, the solfeggio frequencies. Now you can see that there's some stuff online with the solfeggio um, frequencies when it comes to water crystals. Have you ever seen that? Have you seen that? Well, they get water crystals and speak hate and all of this negativity and the crystals form into all of these chaotic shapes. But then they speak blessing, life, shalom, and they form into beautiful, beautiful, perfect crystals. This is to show you that life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? What we speak, we have to be so careful. And when somebody would, would say to another person, shame on you, that, that's an abomination. We have to renounce that. No. No, because that is, that is against everything that our future points for us. To stand on the sea of glass, no shame, totally exposed in purity before the king. So how we speak. And you can listen to people, how they speak and what kind of sicknesses they put on themselves by their, 
oh, I'm sick of this. And I know I'm guilty of saying that too. But we can't speak that because there's power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. And everything that we speak, it's out there forever. Forever. It's a frequency. You see that frequency in Numbers chapter 7, verse 12, through Numbers chapter 7, verse 83. The solfeggio frequency, again, you can see that expressed in water crystals. Each musical note here represents a Hebrew letter in the original text of the Bible. Letters, you've got words, you have sentences, and they ultimately create these harmonic, beautiful melodies. And these have been known in times past. The ancient priests, they would have the cantillations or the ascents, the psalms of ascents that were sung in the temple. Where would you find them? Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. They're called the Psalm of Ascents as they would ascend up to the temple. It's a Hebrew cantillation and it would get to that perfect pitch and that perfect vibrational frequency. Now, during the time of Herod's temple, the priests would sing these psalms on the 15 steps of the entrance of the altar. And they would sing one psalm per step and that would then bring them up to a higher note. So every step they would then raise up the octave or that frequency to get into a higher note. Now I don't know, many of you may have in times past, I'm guilty I must say, of going to the Catholico church and enjoying the funky monks doing their cantillations and songs. Now that I know better, I'd most probably be a lot more suspect. But when I was a young man, I used to go up to the monastery here and um, get a dormitory and spend a few days up there by myself um, with the priests, with my Bible, and just would love to um, listen to the monks doing the cantillation because I found that a lot better than Calvary Chapel worship, I'm just being honest. Can you imagine what this would have sounded like in Jerusalem with the shofarim and the silver trumpets? Oh, would put the funky monks to, to shame, right? And I can say that. Look at verse 5 of Revelation. And after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. There's three words here that are very, very telling. In the Greek, we have, number one, we have the naos, the temple. We have, number two, we have skene, tabernacle. And number three, we have maturon, testimony. Kind of jump out to me. Number one, naos, temple, comes from the Hebrew word hekel, hekel. Now, the first mention of hekel, remember Uzziah's pride and punishment in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 16? You may be familiar with it. What was his sin? His sin was he invaded the priestly office. We're going to find a theme here of qualification for standing on the sea of glass and disqualification. And it's all based in the word of Yahuwah. 
In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16, Uzziah's pride and punishment was that his sin was invading the priest's office. Can you remember somebody in the Torah, specifically in the book of Numbers, who did the same thing? Who was he? Korah, right? What was Korah's rebellion? Wanting to invade the priest's office. And because of Uzziah's invasion attempt and Korah's invasion attempt, that disqualified them and they won't be standing on the sea of glass. So that should tell us something about what? The priesthood and qualification for status of standing. Nitzavim. That's where we're going. Because the nations you will soon find have no standing. It's all being washed away. Right before their eyes. And they are panicking. There's no standing. Courts are shut down. People are buried and hidden behind masks. You would be unable to identify them on a witness stand, wouldn't you? You'd be unable to identify them in a lineup. Yahuwah says that when we deal with one another and we deal with judges and priests and prophets, how do we deal with them? It's our religious requirement to deal with one another, panaim el panaim. So my question is, do you discriminate against people based upon their religion and national origin? That's my question. Because my religion and faith requires me to deal with fellow man, Panaim el Panaim. I need to know and be able to identify in a lineup, on a witness stand, who I'm communicating with. And if I can't do that, then you are discriminating against me based upon my religion and my national origin as a Israelite. It's that simple. Stand. That's the truth. Panaim el Panaim is one of the foundational principles of Scripture. It's one of the foundational principles of the Constitution that you have the right to stand before your accusers. You have the right to face a judge. You have the right to be able to identify who's accusing you. And if you cannot then you are being discriminated against based upon your religion and your national origin. And my wife is now looking at me with the, bring it down, bring it down. So, and my children are now laughing because they have to live. And my son is like, yes. See, one of them. The other one, he's you know still young and kind of vacillating between coloring books, throwing popcorn everywhere. That's what my children do here. They come, they eat popcorn. It's get back on. 
No, actually, I'm going to sit down and have a sip from my Mexican sponsor. Am I allowed to say that, or is that, uh, is that are we allowed to say that nowadays? Or, is, or, is, or is, do I have to say Latino sponsor? Is that, I mean, who? I just can't keep up with it all. Now, we're looking at the three words in verse 5 that are very telling. Temple, tabernacle, testimony. The Greek word for temple, neos. The Greek word for tabernacle, skene. The Greek word for maturion, for testimony, maturion. Now that I'm Greeked you out, temple in the Hebrew, I prefer. Neos comes, of course, from the Hebrew word chekel. Told you the first mention there, Uzziah's pride and punishment, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16, his sin invading the priestly office, just like Korah's sin. Now we get to the word for tabernacle in the Greek, skene. The King Jimmy translates it as tabernacle, but really the Hebrew word would be ochel. And it's really a tent. Because there's a different word that's used for tabernacle, and that is called what? Mishkan. So now we've got to examine the difference between a tent, an ohel, and a mishkan. Because the ohel came first, the tent, and then the tabernacle came later. And we need to identify that. And number three, we're going to look at the Greek word maturion, which comes from the English word how they translated maturian in the Greek into the English word testimony. But I prefer to go back to the Hebrew, and we find the word for testimony is eduth. Eduth. And it comes, we find, in Psalm 119, verse 31. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. Eduth. O Yahuwah, put me not to shame. Right? So if anyone says shame on you, we have to rebuke them, okay? Because that is, we are to be pure in preparation for the sea of glass. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 30, it says, um, talking about Abraham and Abimelech, and remember the well of Beersheba, he said, for these seven you, the seven you lambs, Shalt thou take of my hand that they may be a eduth, a testimony or a witness. It's a wit. Are we going to connect this with 144 witnesses? And I'm not talking Jehovah witnesses. I'm talking the 144,000 because right now this word eduth that we can connect to Psalm 119 and Genesis chapter 21, verse 30. We're going to now make the correlation between the difference between an ohel, a tent, and a tabernacle because we need to be the people which have the testimony of Yahuwah, Yahusha, and keep the commandments that qualify us in the priesthood to stand on the sea of glass. It's connected to a pure, track with me here, with a pure language in the midst of a world whose language is collapsing. Their communication system is in breakdown. 
people are unable to hear clearly, identify one another, speak clearly, shut up culture, cancel culture. When was the last time you saw two people with opposing religious beliefs, opposing cultural beliefs of different ethnicities, having a intellectual, respectful conversation where they totally disagreed with one another, but they could walk away and go buy themselves a latte together and break bread. When did you last see that? I don't see that. I just see people at loggerheads with animosity because language is breaking down. Society is going around the sinkhole and they're stoking that, they're wanting that. Yet, on the other hand, we are called to a higher purpose. And I want to be a part of that equation, not the other one. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be fired up. Of course I am. Because remember, on that pure glass, there is also fire. Uh, so, you know, you've got to have a bit of fire in there. Look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Moshe took his tent, Ochel, and pitched it outside the camp. Remember, there was no Mishkan tabernacle at this point. There was only an Ochel because the golden calf breach is prior to the tabernacle and the priesthood. The tabernacle, Mishkan, was a result of the golden calf breach. And we've discussed that many, many times, and that's the difference between the Hebrew Malkitzedic understanding of Torah and the synagogue of Satan interpretation of it. The Mishkan, tabernacle and priesthood, were a response to the golden calf. Because before that, the whole nation was going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In fact, they were. And they did have no need for an earthly tabernacle because they were given a picture of it from on heaven and were to live it out. The Moshe would just go into his ochel, his tent, but there was no construction of the tabernacle. Now, here in Revelation, we can see now full cycle. A full cycle from covenant fellowship, which is a tent, right? Symbolized with a tent. Do you get why that's covenant fellowship? Why is a tent covenant fellowship? Because when the children of Israel were in the book of the covenant, in covenant with Yahuwah, Moshe was dwelling in a tent, an ohel. After the golden calf breach and there was a tabernacle, a mishkan, that was the breach fellowship, which was the purpose of the Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, if you will, and the tabernacle response. So in the future, here in Revelation 15, we need to find where we're going. Are we going to a tabernacle or are we going to an ohel? Where are we going? Wouldn't it be an ohel? Wouldn't that be the true witness? Because aren't we supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation? Because those that try to usurp the priesthood, Uzziah and Korah, 
They were rebellious, and Korah specifically was rebellious when it came to the techelet, the color, not only of the seat seat, but the color of the sea of mingled with glass. Let me see if I can make the connections. I've, of course, been tripping out on this for weeks, and now you get to hear it, and hopefully tracking with me. There's a lot to unpack here. In Revelation, the tent appears once more, and I want to give you the reason why, and it's twofold. Number one, what we're going to see here in Revelation, we're going to see a full cycling from covenant fellowship, represented by the Ohel, the tent, to wrath and broken fellowship, represented by the Mishkan, the tabernacle, from Sinai to Revelation. Number one, we're going to see the demonstrating the restoration of the witness of Yahusha and the soon-to-be ushering in of the Malkizedic saints into the Ohel, into the tent. And number two, we're going to see wrath and fury from the tent's midst to all of those circling the sinkhole of society. The covenant breakers, the innovators, the misappropriates of the priestly office and the Yah rejectors of mankind. We're going to see that, the difference between wheat and tares. Now, the parallelisms in the Torah to the witness later, we will find this all having to do with the priesthood because the priesthood is about extolling Yahuwah and the office that he has ordained. But Korah, he rebelled against that. And what happened? There was a, a woo flu, a plague, a virus. And then there was the rod. Remember that? And there were many that were killed in that plague. It emphasizes the final plagues that come into humanity's last days before the wrath of Yah is poured out on a Yah-rejecting society. So many ask, are we in those times? Well, are we? You can answer that question. I don't need to. Look at verse 6 of Revelation 15 because here's our transformative sheep-dipping hope. The seven heavenly angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues, clothed in pure white linen and having their breasts wrapped with golden girdles. And one of the four creatures gave the seven heavenly angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of Yahuwah who lives forever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of Yahweh. Now this is taking us back to the Yom Kippur service in the tabernacle, which happened after the golden calf breach. So in the future, when do you think Yahweh's wrath is going to be poured out on a Yah-rejecting society? Sometime around the full feasts, Yom Kippur. That's when his wrath is going to be poured out on a Yah-rejecting society. 
And then it's just a few days until we get to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Feast of Tabernacles after that. But we've got to watch for the trumpet call, the Feast of Trumpets that comes first. And then there's going to be 10 days of the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And then the Yom Kippur service poured out on a Yah-rejecting humanity as they circle the drain, their language imploding, their communication systems down. In the meantime, we will be raised up to communicate and speak before kings. Before kings, as he hones our language, and they stumble and bumble before Congress, before the kings of the earth, that will be running to hide where? In the rocks and the caves underneath the Denver airport. Verse 7, And one of the four creatures gave to the seven heavenly angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of Yahuwah who lives forever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of Yahuwah and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven heavenly angels were fulfilled. Now, we're looking at the curtains, we're looking at the temple, we're looking at entering in and the high priest and his office of going in on Yom Kippur. But remember all the way back to the construction of the tabernacle, specifically in Exodus 25. But when you get into Exodus 26, it focuses on the material, the linen, the color, sheep dipping and a transformative process. Let's finish up with this. Exodus chapter 26, verses 1 through 6. Hey, wake up, mister. The, the, the Baptist preacher is falling asleep. What's going on? What do I need? Do I need to, do I need to um, decimate you with some Topa Chico? Was it a late night last night? What were you doing? I've lost my whole train of thought now. <laughs> Totally messed me up. Oh, I was talking about the linen curtains in Exodus chapter 26, verse 1 through 6. The linen curtains, they barred the way into the inner place. They barred the way into the inner place. And we're going to now look at the sheep dipping transformative process that must happen to you and I so that we can enter into the inner place. And that inner place is the sea of glass mingled with fire. And we're going to look at some particular colors in the scripture. We're going to see it played out in Yahushua's life and his priesthood. And ultimately, that is what qualifies us to stand where we need to stand in the end days. We'll finish up with this. We're going to look at a few Hebrew words, techelet, Foiferous, foiferous, that's quite a tongue twister, and kokinos, three Hebrew words. Techelet, blue, that you'd see in the seat seat. Poiferous, purple, you see that in John chapter 19, verse 2. You can put a finger there if you want. And then finally, we're going to see kokinos. 
and you find that word translated in the King Jimmy into scarlet. Blue, purple, and scarlet. Matthew 27, verse 28, John 19, 2. What is blue? Blue is techelet. Its origin, the murex snail, it represents holiness and divinity. It was used for the dyeing of the tzitzit. And it is said that Korah not only was wearing tzitzit, but when he rebelled against the priesthood, he presented himself in full techelet dress to show that he was taking over the priesthood and qualified. And that was usurping the priesthood and a woo flu came and a pandemic, a plandemic happened over those that were in rebellion to Yahuwah and they became sick and died. But blue truly is to represent Kedushah, holiness sanctity and divinity scarlet now sometimes is translated as crimson or better in some of your translations the worm of shining the worm of shining which you know very literal isn't it those of my children that like to play with the worms in the garden and sometimes accidentally damage them and they do become a scarlet a kokinos, a worm of shining. And where does this come from? Job 25. How much less man that is a worm and the son of man who is a, a worm. The worm, the son of man, not speaking of Yahusha, who is a worm? Those that are circling the sinkhole. Unredeemed man is ruddy, and bloody. Ruddy, the word there is dam, blood, where we get Adam, man, unredeemed man in his carnality is the scarlet worm that circles the drain that will have the wrath of Yahuwah poured out on him. As opposed to those of us that are being sanctified and moved to Techelet, divinity because we're covered by the blood of the lamb not the blood of unredeemed man meaning you can go after the gods of the world you can chase after buddha you can chase after um harry krishna and you know what there's some great principles in some of that stuff but last time i checked buddha's carcass is rotting in the ground somewhere out there in Timbuktu a long, long time ago. Siddhartha and his path to enlightenment ended up with a bunch of scarlet worms going through his carcass. Harry Krishna, you might be able to get yourself some nice orange robes, a good shave on the head and bang some drums as you're going down Carnaby Street in Covent Garden in London, either of the two. But I guess what? It's unredeemed bloody man and it's not going to get you anywhere because it's only the son of man that defeated the grave, which gives you divinity and the techelet. And we see that played out in his life. Scarlet, the worm of shining. 
the worm, unredeemed man, red or blood color of crimson, from the word worm we get Adam or Dam, blood, means earthly or ruddy man. Look at Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us reason together, says Yahuwah, though your sins as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You see how that's connected to the land? Blue and red, their primary colors, each one contains no other colors or mixtures of colors. They stand forever separate. But there's one color, and here's the kicker, that stands between blue, pure divinity, the sea of glass, and red, ruddy, rebellious, antifa, unredeemed man circling the drain of society there's one color that bridges the gap and that is the sheep dipping process the transformative process that can only happen and that is of course purple in every mention of these three colors in the scripture purple is always 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 between the two because it's a combination of blue divinity and scarlet, unredeemed, rebellious man, which is where we all got our start, right? We all got our start, which means that we have a hope that Yahweh can redeem them just as they're about to go down the drain, just as they're about to go down Nobody's unredeemable unless they have what? Blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Divinity and blood bring forth intercession between man and Yahweh. That's mediation. That's the only way to apprehend and get to Revelation chapter 15 verse 6. Is the mediation of the Lamb. Because then you're where? You're actually wearing white linen when you get to that point. Look at John chapter 19, verse 2. Then Pilate therefore took Yahushua and scourged him, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns. They put it on his head, and they put on him a purple, a purple robe. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate therefore went forth again and said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Yahushua forth, bearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, Adam, the ruddy, bloody man. Because he had not yet done the work of redemption and rose from the dead to the Techelet state, right? He was still in a state of the ruddy bloody, Sin, sinless of course, but still walking amongst us as our mediator and intercessor. The sowed then 
is in John 19 too, reflected in Matthew 27, verse 27 and 8. Check this out. Matthew 27, verse 27. Then when the soldiers of the governor took Yahushua into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and they put on him a scarlet robe. Notice the switch. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. What's going on here? When Yahushua arrived at Pilate's court, what color did he arrive in? And he went through the transformative process paving the way for you and I, unredeemed man, because ultimately we will be laid bare in Revelation 15. And it has to be in a techelet, pure divinity state. And that only happens through Yahushua. What color did Yahushua arrive at Pilate's court? Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Remember the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years? She reached out and touched his techelet, his techelet garment. He arrived in Pilate's court in techelet, and he went through the transformative process. How did he stand first in Techelet because his body was not the body from the dust of the earth. His body was from the bread from heaven. It was a divinity state already. Psalm 110. Yahuwah sits at the right hand of Yahuwah interceding for you and I daily. Yet the Masoretic scribes in 900 of the common era couldn't deal with Psalm 110 in its authentic Hebrew that they had to change the yod Hey wah into Adonai. So it would read differently. But in the original Hebrew, it says, Yahuwah sits at the right hand of Yahuwah in a pure divinity state of Techelet that he came to Pilate's court in Techelet. And then because of our sins, he was then taken on the seven steps of ascent? No, the scriptures teach us the descent of Yahushua as he goes into the belly of the earth and then ascends. It's the reversal so you and I can get where he wants us to be. But the earth and the unredeemed man, they see it not. And what I am speaking right now is a mystery and a veil to them. No comprehension. No understanding. Yahushua arrived in Pilate's court in Techelet, Matthew 9, verse 20. The argument Korah had back at the time was over the priesthood and over the blue Techelet dye. 
Korah appeared all in Techelet, challenging the priesthood in, Math, in Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. And that was only Yahusha's right to do. That's why the woohoo plague went on them. No, it's on us, isn't it? Sorry, I'm getting my timeline messed up, right? But they did have a plague too. There's just plagues everywhere. I get them all confused. But Yahusha, we see, is the only one that has the right to challenge the priesthood. Did he challenge the priesthood? Yes, he did. The priesthood of unredeemed man, the priesthood of Caiaphas. And that's why Yahusha appeared in the court before Caiaphas in Techelet to challenge him. And what did Caiaphas end up doing? Renting his garment, thus disqualifying his priesthood, and then enabling the full Tekelet redemptive plan of the Malkizedic priesthood to take place that brings us to the Sea of Tekelet. <gasps> oh, in Revelation 15, it's an intense walk, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's funny, dear. How old are you? She's seven. You guys are doing good. Being very patient. And you're right in spitting distance. And you're not wearing a mask. And there's no plastic shield between us. What will we do? He appears in Techelet, Yahusha, because he's claiming the priesthood and he is claiming divinity. And did he claim his divinity right before Caiaphas? And he said, it's not what you say, but what I say. Claiming the Techelet, and Adam, ruddy, bloody mankind, rejects his claim. And today, my friends, they will reject your claim too. They will. They don't see our standing. But our standing comes from Yahweh. It doesn't come from man. But they cannot comprehend it. But they are foreign to us. They are foreign to us. We are a different people. We have a different faith. And we have a different national origin. We are Israel. And they are foreign to us. Scarlet. Kokinos, Matthew 27, verse 28. And later, as mediator, as his redemptive plan unfolds, his garment changes again to purple or poiferous in John chapter 19, verse 2. This, of course, is the transformative sheep-dipping process. In Matthew 9, 20, it is written, And see a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, she came behind him and touched the techelet on his garment. For she said within herself, if I can just touch his techelet, I shall be whole. Why? Because blood touches techelet, red touches blue, is what? Humanity reaching out in faith to divinity and then mediation occurs and redemption unfolds it's the pattern of indwelling from the inside out and that's what she expressed he knew it 
She knew it. And the people, they were blind to it. Do you see it? I see it. This is the plan that we have to be with. We have to reach out and touch the transformative process. And purple is a sign of being made one in Messiah. Or for want of a better word, we are plunged, mikvahed, into Messiah, aren't we? That's what we are. We have to be plunged. This is a dipping and dying process. Quite that simple. Dying as in dying clothes and linen. Look, right now in our current woo-flu world, unredeemed man, ruddy-bloody mankind is stoking division based upon the baser elements of humanity. Can we all agree to that? Just the baser elements. Oh, the color of your skin. Oh, your national origin. Oh, I mean, just the basest, basest elements of society. Oh, you've got a different accent. I don't like you. Just hate, 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 hate. Divisive. To, oh, your, your politics are this. I mean, just base elements. Ruddy. But, and who's doing it? Believers? No. Communists. Fascists. Racists. Unredeemed, bloody, ruddy man. That's who's doing it. All there to see. Last time I checked on a church congregation, they weren't trying to burn down federal buildings. Just, just saying. Yes, they wanted to peaceably assemble and worship. And maybe they don't want to follow some of these um, tyrannical forms of lawlessness that pretend they're law. That's called color of law. But you don't see that kind of behavior. So what's going on? The baser elements of humanity are trying to bring about the woo-flu solution to the problem to which unredeemed and hopeless ruddy man is reacting to just as planned. Problem, reaction, solution, right? And it all has its origin in the woo-flu. The pandemic that will culminate with what? With the invasion into the blood, ruddy, unredeemed man and his body of an unredeemed, hopeless humanity that will reach out for the solution that they're offering. Ruddy, bloody, unredeemed man will allow them to invade their body that's their only solution to the problem. And now we're in the reaction phase. That's unredeemed man. Ruddy and bloody. And it will be an invasion of the body. And ultimately it will lead to the hybridization of Genesis 6 and artificial intelligence linked up, neurolink with mankind. Within who knows how long, some are saying less than five years. But there's another way. And that's what the war is. There's another way. There's a people that are standing because they're in preparation for standing on the sea of glass. They're not kneeling down at every political whim to make a statement, which is a non-statement. But they're standing and they're questioning. They're going, 
hmm, but I can see where this could lead. Because if I acquiesce to stupid, then I become stupid. So I hear what you're saying, but I do not understand. I do not stand under you. I stand under Yahuwah alone. I only understand Yahuwah. I don't understand you. You are speaking babble. It is a foreign language because you are foreign to me because I'm an Israelite. Are you discriminating against me based upon my religion and national origin? Because that sure does appear to hear what, I, what I'm hearing behind the muzzle. Is that what you're saying? Because my Savior asks questions instead of just kowtowing to every tyrannical demand of Caiaphas, of Pilate, of the soldiers. He asked questions. And with the questions, then you start to see what's really, really happening. There's a different way for us, and that's the way of the priesthood, and it is a transformative process. And whilst you see all this chaos in the world, I see a great hope that's coming. I see a great hope, and it's Revelation 15. Because those that do succumb to the baser elements of our society, they will be collateralized and warehoused through a UN and NATO FEMA protocol. Because they will collateralize them and monetize them in that system just like they do with prisoners. You know how much money they make by sending somebody to prison? Oh, that is major buku. And where do they get this from? They did it to the First Nations people, right? Because if you can get all the Native Americans on a reservation, then you can start to build contracts for who provides the blankets. And then you can infect the blankets with diseases to kill those in the population and then you can bring in horse meat and then you can broker that to a company i mean they did this in the 19th century fema was around then just under a different name right you see those that succumb to the baser elements of society will be collateralized and warehoused through the un nato protocol but the redeemed saints, you and I, we are now, right now, this very day as I'm teaching, we are being called to a higher transformative process of our consciousness, through our prayer life, through the challenges of navigating this crazy world. And how are we doing it? Because we are being called to divinity, a techelet, color of consciousness, to the priesthood of sea and glass, of standing, of not buckling the knee, not bowing the knee, but standing. And this transformative process is a work of the Ruach. It's a work of the spirit that is actually happening right now. It's... It's starting small, but it's going to build in all of us. It's incremental. It's supernatural. 
It's not my power. It's not your power. It's his power that will deliver us from ruddy, bloody, divisive men into white linen and true equality. And that can only happen through the intercession of Messiah alone. Because as the world is being worn down, we are being maneuvered out of this world to being wrapped up. What do I mean? Choose this day who you will serve. Choose life or death. You can either be worn down or you can be wrapped up. What do you want? Well, I want to be wrapped up. But what do I want to be wrapped up? Our bodies, minds, and spirits can be protected, immersed, and wrapped in a golden girdle. And that's how we close in Revelation 15. It's almost like a heavenly flat jacket that will see us through the great tribulation. Because mikvah in the Hebrew is a word for dying. It's a dying term where different colors are plunged and immersed and then a new color is born. And ultimately, if we go through that process, we get heavenly body armor. Heavenly body armor we get wrapped in a golden girdle, which is the heavenly flak jacket, if you will, through the transformative sheep dipping process. That's what I'm looking for. And that's the transformative process. Because we finish up in Revelation 15:6, And the heavenly angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, they'd gone through the transformative process, having their breast wrapped with golden girdles. This is a transformative process. And what's happening in the world that seems so hopeless, it's all part of that process. It's the dichotomy. And that's what we have to stay focused on in the midst of all this chaos. The chaos is the nation circling the drains. But in the midst of it, Yahweh is preparing our standing. He is preparing our standing. And we'll finish up with some inspiring written word in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Here it is, the culmination of the whole of Revelation 15. The whole of the Song of Moses the whole of the techelet, crimson worm, poiporous, scarlet transformation is this. The difference between the ohel, the tent, and good standing in covenant, and the tabernacle, the mishkan, after breach, and the golden calf, and ultimately the promise that we will stand on the sea of glass is all summed up in Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the earthly, carnal, ruddy, bloody man. No, that's not what it says. Partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and chief priest of our profession, Messiah Yahushua, being steadfast to him who did appoint him as also Moshe was over his house. There's a juxtaposition going on here between the Ohel, the tent in the wilderness, 
the tabernacle in the wilderness and Yahushua who is the builder of a better house, a better hope and a better future. For of more glory than Moshe have this one be counted worthy, inasmuch as more honor than the house hath he who doth build it. For every house is builded by someone, and he who the all things did build is Yahuwah. And Moshe indeed was steadfast in all his house as an attendant. For a testimony... There's that word again, of those things that were to be spoken. And Messiah, as a son over his house, whose house you and I are, if, if the boldness and rejoicing of the hope unto the end we hold fast. So yes, I am bold. And yes, I am on fire but ultimately, that's because I know that Yahweh is going to move us out of the dregs of society, away from the dregs of society that are circling the drain in rebellion, burning Bibles in Portland, Oregon, lies and propaganda going out from politicians. In the meantime, it will be what it will be. He will pluck his people out and begin the transformative sheep-dipping process through the priesthood, through the one who builds a better house to take us into the land of standing of the sea and glass. I think that's the hope. That's what I see to navigate through here in Revelation chapter 15. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat today. Blessings. Let's see if we can get into the chat, the chit-chat here. Have a little rest. little rest. All right, here, make sure I'm operating properly. Okay, if you want me, um, oh, I've got adverts. I've got adverts. All right, I guess we've got adverts going on here. Okay, let's get rid of, get rid of his voice. All right, here we go. Shabbat Shalom, you guys and girls in the chat. We have, if you want to um, get my attention, it helps if you redline me at TorahToTheTribes.com. Now, Arc Angle Welding, Shabbat Shalom, he says. Could be she, we could be a, a, a girl, a girly welder. It's possible. Happened in Flashdance, it could happen again. Um, Elon Musk said in an interview that if humans don't link up with machines, Neuralink, that humans will be obsolete. Well, okay, is that plausible? Plausible? Are they going to open up the schools here in September? <sighs> They're going to delay that. Why? Because they care about children's health. No. To get dollars, more dollars, the schools, the, the unions, the teachers' union in California, they held out because they wanted to get money for Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, well, what's that got to do with children going back to school safely? 
So now if they don't go back to school and the education and, uh, is decimated because these schools have no idea how to build curriculum when it comes to homeschooling, homeschoolers have been doing it for years, teachers are ill-equipped, you've got snotty-nosed snotty four-year-olds on a Zoom meeting falling asleep, that's not going to work very well, is it? It's good for Zoom, though. They're making billions in the midst of this woo-flu. Well, then, we've got a problem. There's going to be a massive reaction of all these pair rents, the pair that rents the children from the state, the pair rents, rents the kids, the farmyard animals that are put in enclosures. Well, there's a solution, Elon Musk, Neuralink. We'll get their education. They'll make two or three years up just with an implant, just like that. Boom. Problem. Woo flu. Reaction. Ah! What are we going to do? The educational system is in the toilet. It circled the drain. Ah, here's a solution. Oh, perfect. Boom. Can you not see? Can you not see? There you go. Chris in FEMA Region 4 is now the time for us to stand and fight or is it time to be the gray man in apprentices no mask though yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's difficult to be the gray man when you're not wearing a mask nowadays isn't it i was in the grocery store yesterday and i saw this young girl without a mask and i felt this kinship i mean i just did i was like and I, I, almost, I almost was like, well, but, you know, people are so intolerant. I thought, well, I, I, don't, I, I was very tempted to say, excuse me, <laughs> could you tell me the reason why you're... But I didn't want to be like, as if I was like being the popo, right? I was just, you know, wondered what the, uh, the kinship was about. So is it time for us to stand and fight? <sighs> I'm the wrong guy to ask about that because... All right, my, my sons are nodding, my wife is looking at me, yes, yeah, I do not need any encouragement to fight. I need actually prayer to, from all of you to tone it down and to chill because I tell you what, man, I have been fighting my whole life. I really have my whole life. And it feels, <laughs> ah, oh, stop it. Now, Bethany Bagwell is going to answer you, Ark Welding. And she says, I've seen that as well. Regular humans won't be able to do all the things that people hooked up to the cloud will be able to do. Well, exactly. And then Renee responds, um, Musk, like Gates, is one of the self-chosen tribe. What few know or are willing to admit. Now we have a masked bandito outside here looking in, but not filming, but you know, I'm sure that will, jeez, good grief. Yashub, Shabbat Shalom Yashub. He says, Drew, exactly, I do my best to try to wake everyone up with facts every day, but they ignore me and call me a conspiracy theorist. Really? Can't believe that. I never get such talk as that, Yashu. 
Now, Linda George, Shabbat Shalom, Linda, blessings. We miss you. We haven't seen you, of course, because of the blooming woo flu pandemic. We can't celebrate the feast. Yes, we can celebrate the feast of Yahuwah. She says, I'm old and you're not that old. I'm old enough to remember the invasion of the body snatchers, a movie too crazy to believe, but not anymore. Our hope is in Yahusha and I am his. I don't think I've seen that movie, but maybe I should, unless it's spooky. All right, Pixie from Dixie. Shabbat Shalom, Pixie. Q, question, Q. Oh, what are you saying, Q? Q, question. Do you think the reports of an asteroid hitting Earth this fall a hoax? Thank you for your ministry. Well, I'll tell you what. The guy that does the Planet X, Gil Bruchard, I mean, I, I used to look at his stuff a long time ago. Very convincing. Very convincing. An asteroid? I don't know. I really don't know. It would not surprise me. Chris Fratoni, Shabbat Shalom. Chris, welcome to the ministry. We believe we are now in the first three and a half years of tribulation. Matthew, what is your take on our prophetic timeline as Bible prophecy unfolds? Yeah, I've said many, many a time, I believe that we are in Jacob's trouble. Um, and I believe that is before the Great Tribulation. I don't think we're in the Great Tribulation yet, but I think we are in the bubbling and brothing stages of great, great changes. Mm. Let's see what else we got here. I love this from 45 Kimber. Shabbat Shalom 45 Kimber. Psalms 4 verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Yahuwah, only makest me dwell in safety. See, we have a hope, don't we? And aren't Yahuwah's words just a comfort and soothing to our soul? Truly are. Um, let's see. Jose says, blessings, Brother Matthew. Do you conclude that the temple sacrifice on the Day of Atonement will bring about the beginning of the tribulation? Well, that is possible, but it also could be something that would happen in Purim. I believe more likely kind of a Haman incident around Purim. But then again... If they were to do something like that, which they did just do last year at Yom Kippur, it does make one want to stand up and pay attention to the times and seasons. So when does this great tribulation kick off? I think it's going to be either Purim or Yom Kippur sign. So we need to definitely watch for that and some kind of abomination that causes desolation, something that would be usurping the priesthood, right? Just like Korah's rebellion, just like what we've discovered today. Let's see. Here's a great one from Jim. Jim Gerhardson, Gerhardson, 
if I pronounce that wrong, I do apologize. Do you think the 144,000 is an exact number or representative of a multitude? Well, many different ways to slice it. It could be an exact number. It could be, I don't think it's representative of a multitude because it is a very definitive number. Okay? Um, so I do think it's specific, but could it be that there are 70 in excess righteous in every generation that have lived since Yahusha that are the called out prophets of their time that are the 144? That's possible. And if you look at the generation since Yahusha, 70 in excess, the principle from Scripture, you'd find that equals 144,000. So there's another way to slice it. Hmm. Tamara McKee gives me a nice, encouraging word. I just wanted to say I love and appreciate your ministry. Thank you. Thank all of you and thank all of our donors. Please, please donate to the ministry. Think, consider your stewardship because it really, really is so important. And I thank you for tuning in, supporting, and all of you that have been a part of this ministry and been patient with me over the years and some even over the decades. I'm growing just like you're growing. That's the amazing thing. We can grow together. If some of you go back and look at some of the historic videos, you'll be like, oh my goodness, you can see the transformative process in my life. Modesto Gaza, Shabbat Shalom, Modesto. I haven't seen you in the chat in a couple of weeks, mate. Satan knows our weakness given at Babel. We are divided by language, nation, and culture until the end. The USA is not a nation, but a great city. Revelation 17. Only spiritual tongues unite us now. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. We need to have a tongue-talking Holy Spirit intercession. That's the pure language. And now I'm going to trigger a bunch of you. And if Danan is still following, which I'm sure he is in that sleepy Northern California town, he just got triggered. That's all right, though. Getting some funny looks in here, some unholy or holy looks. Diesel Grandma, how are you, Diesel Grandma and Diesel Grandpa up there in the Diesel Puffin town of Snohomish in that apostate state of Washington with that barbaric governor of yours? Oh, oh, really? I do? Oh, I do. <laughs> Yeah, oh, wow, very perceptive. Diesel Grandma, I love your blue thumb stain. Yes. Wow, I like that kind of perception. And if you don't know why I have a blue thumb stain, Diesel Grandma, I bet she knows. My goodness, I should have cleaned up a little bit more before I came down here. 
talking about the CIA. Sarah Hewitt says, video circulating of Bill Gates 2005 briefing the CIA about releasing future respiratory virus that alters VMAT2 gene present in people who are religious to normalize them. You will never normalize moi. It is impossible. Impossible. And let's get some amens on that, please. Much more truth. Man, there's so many of you that I want to connect with uh, that I haven't. I've been, I don't know what's been going on. Well, I do, and I can't really get into that too much. Much more truth, says Revelation 18, verse 23, sorcery, a.k.a. pharmacia, all the nations were deceived, right? That's what they're moving towards. Renee, of course, hitting up here. Renee L., the USA is a corporation. That is actually, of course, very true. So far as Revelation 17.5, that's Jerusalem, the mother of harlots, and the USA is her biggest harlot. There you go. There you go. We got people that are awake, red-pilled, all up here in Torah to the tribes. Let's see. Mm. Vi, um, Vitali, 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 I'm, uh, Kar Karjenko. Beautiful name, if I could pronounce it right. Thanks for the message, Brother Matthew. Have you heard David Miller's language technology? Facts and truth can only be spoken by using it. You're talking about syntax grammar. Decoding. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So much to talk about, but we can't do it on the googly woogly. We just can't, can we, Doug? We can't, can we? Blue thumbprint, syntax grammar. Oh my goodness, what the CIA? Oh my good grief. Oh, there's the, there's the bell. There's the bell. Mm. See what else we got here. It's coming in strong here. Oh, pharmacia equals hydro, hydro, lacrocline. Much more. Does it? Does it? I mean, they're saying that, that that could be a solution to their problem. Oh, man. Matthew, you will be on Shabbat Fellowship for question and answers next week. Join to connect. Yes, I am going to be, Yah willing, on Shabbat Fellowship next week at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So if you want to log into that, then you go to Torah to the Tribes forward slash connect. We've got the Zoom platforms there. We've got Shabbat Fellowship. We've got the calendar, prayer, men's group, women's group, Torah Youth Worldwide. Connect, connect, connect. Now is the time to connect in this cray-cray world in which we live. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it absolutely bananas out there? Oh, I could keep on going. What we got? Oh, we've got the fellowship up there. Oh, yes. Now, Diesel Grandpa, we'll finish up with Diesel Grandpa. He is offended that I made Governor Inslee sound nicer than he is. 
<laughs> oh, my goodness, I know. And then Much More Truth says, Plandemics, well, they just don't need cures. And Yashub says, Yah willing, I will be on next fellowship as well. It's been like three weeks. Well, I hope to see all of you here on the chat next week and those of you that can make it to Shabbat Fellowship next Sabbath again. Thank you all for your support of this ministry. It means the world to us. And I so miss um, congregating, but we have a nice little group here today. It's good. It's good. Some out-of-towners from, uh, from California, right? From California. San Francisco Bay. That's a dodgy place, isn't it? My goodness. But everywhere is dodgy. But we are going to go and stand on the sea of glass. That's going to be stable and unshakable. Subscribe to the channel. Give us some thumbs up. And remember, you can always leave some comments. Keep them positive, edifying, and kadosh down in the comments section below. And we'll catch you, y'all willing, next Shabbat.